I'm starting to see people in two different buckets, like the legitimate influential people that I feel will drive sales, reputation, all the various things that we're interested in. And then the other group I almost see as like content creators, where do I like their content and is their content valuable for my client, even if I don't think that their page is necessarily influential. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 146 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony, as per usual. And I guess I should probably start saying that my name is Rachel Friesen because I am changing my name eventually, but it's such a habit to obviously say my whole name that has been my name for my whole life. One day I'll remember to say my new name, but for now, obviously still the same host as per usual. Today's guest is Kristen. She is the owner of Wild PR, which is an agency in Calgary. And I had the joy of hanging out with her when I was in Mount Engadine a couple weeks ago or a month ago um, for a video shoot. You would have seen it on my Instagram if you follow me. In this episode, we talk about how she started an agency and we actually both have in common that we just were not great employees when we worked for other people. And that's how we ended up starting our own businesses. So I completely relate when she talks about that. We also talk about why she chose PR as somebody who was never formally educated in like marketing or PR. It always confused me exactly what PR was. So I had to ask her why she chose PR as opposed to just like a marketing or communications firm. She shares her advice on becoming a mom, which is obviously a very selfish question, but also very relevant for my life. So hopefully you can benefit from that. I feel like a lot of people, either you are a mom or you're becoming a mom and running a business or growing a business can already seem intimidating. And then trying to then figure out how to have a baby, but she makes it sound like it's doable. I still have three months to figure out how we're going to do it. So everyone can stay tuned for that. We also dive into influencer marketing, which is what we really wanted to have this podcast about. And we talk about what that looks like from an agency perspective. I work from both sides, obviously mostly from the content creator side, but also poolside does a little bit of influencer marketing. So I also feel like I'm on both sides, but it's always interesting to hear from someone whose business does a lot of influencer marketing who doesn't do content creation herself. So we talk about what that looks like what is working and what still needs to evolve from the agency side and also because she obviously has the brands in her ears and has to navigate that and mostly we decided it's education and communication that needs to happen and a bridge between influencers themselves and agencies and brands I think there's a disconnect because we all talk amongst ourselves and not really to each other she shares her advice for people becoming influencers and how to get the attention of PR companies if you want to like get on their list or people always ask me how I got in contact with them and I'm not a huge pitcher for myself. I used to be back in the day when I was growing my platform. So people who are growing platforms, it's important to reach out to PR companies and get your name just in the running for future campaigns that they have or events. And we also talk about how to grow a platform that is authentic, engaging, and also valuable to brands because that obviously is at the end of the day what they're looking for. And there's different ways to do that. But at the end of the day, just being yourself and creating that original content is what we both agree is the most beneficial. So let's jump into it. You can hear the rest of the conversation and not just my synopsis of it. So here is Kristen. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I am here virtually with Kristen. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this discussion. Same. Do you want to start just introducing yourself and giving us a little background into what you do? Yeah, you got it. So my name is Kristen Novak. I'm the founder of Wild Public Relations. I started my little agency. I hate calling it an agency because I think agency has such a bad connotation sometimes, but I agree. I don't know what else to call it right now. (laughs) Uh, We started just over five years ago and we focus mostly on campaign development, media relations, influencer marketing, which we're chatting about today um, and some calm strategy. Cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about how you started the agency? We'll call it agency for all intents and purposes <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> um, kind of like what you were doing before, what your thought process was, and when you thought you could do it yourself. You got it. So I I mean, I went to Western and I took a program there that was basically media and communications. So I think in my head, I've always kind of known that this um, industry was appealing. Initially, I thought I wanted to be a film producer. I worked in film and television in Vancouver for a little while. 
But I got my career mostly started out with the Leafs and the Raptors, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment when I lived in Ontario. And so that was sort of like my foray into this because we did a lot of events and comms and that kind of thing there. And then I ended up moving and had some other like random jobs. But then when I got to Calgary about 10 years ago, I started working at Big Brothers Big Sisters. And again, I did events, a little bit of comms. Um, And at the time, my mom, who lives here, she's a quote unquote influencer, I don't think of her the same way because she is very much in the outdoors arena and we'll probably end up talking about that. But I think influencers in different industries have, they do different things. They provide different value. It's so I don't really think of her an influencer, but technically she is anyways, she used to get invited to these PR events and that sort of thing. And that's how I kind of learned about PR. I never really thought about PR. And so one of the companies, Brookline PR that invited her to a bunch of stuff, she's like, they're hiring. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll apply there. And I ended up working at Brookline and then another agency Anstice. And after both agencies, both those are boutique agencies on the smaller side. I think I just realized I wasn't meant to work for someone. I wasn't a great employee, if I'm being fully <laughs> honest. Like I just didn't like being told what to do, um, which doesn't work when you're an employee because you need to be told what you're going to do. So um, yeah, I think I just realized that you know, this industry was appealing, that it was doable to do start a business in it without costing a ton of money. And so I just took a leap of faith and started wild. And here we are. No, I love that. I felt exactly the same. That's what I tell people. I was like, I was not a good employee. I was like, I didn't think like how they're running their business. I felt I could do other things. I was like, I had to quit. I was like, I have to just work myself because nobody wants to employ me. So (laughs) team terrible employees over here. Totally. And I'm trying to manage people and I'm like, Oh, sorry for the people that were trying to manage me when I was <laughs> trying to just do my own thing. So yeah, exactly. Oh, geez. And so, and I know you talked about like, you were more familiar with PR and this is, seems like kind of a silly question, but I feel like PR is a very like vague thing that people like even personally oh. don't quite understand what it is. So choosing to start like a PR agency, even though, and I know you do other things, is that was that the choice just because you were in it and like you knew kind of that's where you worked before that you decided to do PR as opposed to like marketing specifically or communication specifically? Yeah, I think so. I think the more I got involved in PR, I really found areas of it that I enjoyed more. So things like media relations that we do, influencer marketing, which is, you know, obviously quite a new industry they really resonated me with me. And I think PR in general is more about reputation management. So people, I think often get it confused with marketing. Marketing is about driving the sale and PR can support that, but PR is definitely more about the reputation, um, how it's perceived. And I just, I think found that more interesting. So at the end of the day, it was just, I think where my interests and my expertise aligned that made PR make sense. No, no, that's interesting. That was just like a like I never quite understood what PR was and like, they're all so similar, no but does. so different. And so I just thought we should all, we should all know from PR expert. Totally. No, honestly, no one knows what it means. My husband still doesn't know what I do all day. I think most <laughs> people don't know what I do all day. So it's a very confusing industry for most people, I think. And unless you're actually in it and you're doing it, PR is also one of those things. Everyone's just like, Oh, the PR gals, like they're just at the parties, they're dressing up and they're trendy clothes. Like I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. <laughs> when we have to do events, it's actually one of my least favorite things to do. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, the perception of PR in general, when it's literally an industry built on perception. So, right. Yeah. Cool. It I feel like movies and TV shows were just what people think PR people do. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's not that at all. Right. As most <laughs> jobs are not that are portrayed exactly. in movies. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could go back when you started your business, like learning all of it, knowing what you've done. And when was the timeline for that? So if you go back, how many ever years that was, would you do anything differently starting the company? No. And this is actually, that's such a good question because there's certainly decisions that I made when I started the business that I absolutely would not make now, but I don't regret them and I wouldn't change them because I think the best learning opportunity is when you screw up and make mistakes. And I've made a lot of them along the way. I've definitely done things that Again, like I, I kind of regret, but I wouldn't change. So yeah, I think it's being a business owner is a roller coaster and you learn so much along the way. And 
I mean, where I was five years ago versus where we are now is just like night and day. And honestly, I go back and I look at some of like our early proposals and stuff. And it's just so <laughs> freaking embarrassing that I, that's who we were. But no, I mean, you're supposed to change and evolve. So I mean, why, why mess with the stuff that kind of brought us here? And I love where we are now. So if I change things, it might not get to where we are now. And I love the place that we're at. So totally. And I feel like a lot of it is like the networking, the people that you knew back then and and obviously the people that accepted your proposals and pitches, sometimes same thing. You're like, how did I even get clients with this kind of <laughs> pitching and emails and all of that stuff? Yeah, no, I don't know why anyone hired me. I'm really <laughs> glad they did. But after seeing what I sent them, I'm like, you guys were, I'm very grateful that you totally. thought that what I was doing. And as a selfish question, talking about owning a business and running a business, I'm going to be a mom very soon. And like I said, before we started, I have about two weeks before I start to panic about how I'm going to run this business and also have a baby at the same time. So how, cause you have two kids. I do. So how did that look from a business owner perspective and a mental health sanity perspective? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. The mental health part is so important. So with my first daughter, Avery, she's two and a half now, I made the decision to hire someone when I was planning to get pregnant. So I brought Erica on in November of 2018. Yeah. November of 2018. And I got pregnant like three weeks after she joined. So we, I knew that that was part of the plan was to get someone in place, but I just got extremely fortunate with Erica because she is, I mean, Erica knows how much I love her. She's just absolutely incredible at her job. And it's not just like her, even just her job. She's incredible at she's just such a heart centered person. So when I told her I was pregnant, she was like, I got you. Don't worry about a thing. I got you. So I was just really, I think, fortunate to have Erica because she did it both times. I mean, I didn't have, we hired Mika in September this past year, but I had both my daughters and it was just Erica on with me. So I was fortunate to have her, but I think, oh gosh, it's just one of those things where you just end up doing it. I think there's so much, not so much planning that you can do around being a mom in a business. You just do it because you have to, but I will say, I haven't actually really talked about this very much. And there's probably some people that are in my close circles that actually don't know this, <laughs> but I actually wound up in the mental health ward. Um, four days after I had my daughter, Avery, I was trying to breastfeed. I was, like obviously sleep deprived. I had a 30 hour labor. The cord was wrapped around my daughter's neck when she was born. We almost had an emergency C-section. I was induced. And so I was on medication for like two and a half days, basically. Like it was a process. And on top of it, I had a herniated disc in my back, which ended up leading to surgery a couple months after my daughter was born. So I was in like excruciating pain for most of my pregnancy too. So I think when she came out and everyone had been telling me, especially with the pain too, everyone's like, when she comes out, she'll be off your nerve and the pain will go away. It didn't, it actually got worse. The delivery ended up causing more damage. And so I think when I got out of it all, your world changes. So not only was I experiencing like this debilitating pain, but your world, it just transforms immediately. And there's nothing that can prepare you for being a parent. There just isn't. It just is so life altering that until you're in it, you can't really understand what it's like. And I didn't handle it well the first little bit because this, I will say too, I ended up doing formula after four months for both my daughters. And I want people to know formula is a wonderful option because there's so much pressure on moms to breastfeed and breastfeeding led me to the mental health ward four days after he was born, because everyone just said, I had to do it. I had to do it. And it wasn't working. So I think just being a mom and working is giving yourself grace, making sure that you have at least something in place to help you for the first little bit. The first six weeks are the absolute hardest, but I think more than anything is just to know that it's possible and you can do it because at the end of the day, you're going to figure it out. There's so much that's similar with entrepreneurship and being a mom, you just do it and you figure it out as you go. And that's what it's all about. I think you're going to be just fine. And I think you're hilarious that you're planning for two weeks. You're going to start (laughs) panicking, but you're going to be absolutely fine. And I think the thing too, is you probably have, I mean, I did have clients that really aligned with my values. And so they all understood when I was pregnant and were super excited for me and let me have some space too, once my babies were born. So I think making sure you just have the right clients on board too, that understand what you're doing and get it. But 
yeah, you can do it. You can, you, you can do it. Every woman out there can do it. It is possible. No, I think that's super helpful. And did you, did you change anything between the first and second one? A lot of people that I've talked to were like, this is what happened the first time I had a baby. And then the second time I realized that like, I needed more time or I needed like different things. Did you have a different experience like that? I think the second baby is different, not necessarily from a work perspective, but the second baby was easier because you know what, what to expect. So you know what to expect both on the work side and on the personal side. But it's interesting, like leading up to Scarlett, my second daughter's birth, we were not busy at all. We had like a really slow couple of months and I was like, okay, this is actually great. It's not going to be very intense on Erica. Like I can take a couple months off, no problem. But then literally about 10 days before I gave birth, we had like four clients come on and they were massive clients and I could have said no. So this is on me. I could have said no, but I think part of entrepreneurship is just you're hungry. You're hungry for the business and they're always worried that business isn't going to come. So, I mean, was that stupid? Probably, probably don't (laughs) take on like four huge clients right before you give birth, but (laughs) But again, I just figured it out. You figured it out. I had Erica. She was amazing. I ended up having like my baby on my lap doing Zoom calls. I warned clients that that was just the way it was going to be and just made it happen. But there's not a a huge change between one and two. You're already in it. You know what you're doing. Right. And your life is kind of set up for that anyway already. Yes, 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 exactly. And again, you just figure it out because you have to. What are you going to (laughs) do? Throw your business away, I guess, is the alternative. But you don't want to do that. No, definitely not. Because the whole point of working for yourself is to make it flexible for the future. So yeah, that'd be counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> Very counterproductive. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I think it'll be, it'll be good. And I do have like, my parents are great and Chris will be home. Cause I think he gets a paternity leave of some sort. So oh, we'll maybe. be able to figure it out. And then so many people are like, well, I'm just on my phone anyway. I'm like, well, if you're just going to be on your phone, that's where my work is anyway. So, you know, you can check social media mine is a little bit different than yours because I don't have like events to go to or time sensitive things. Lots of things can be planned ahead of time and scheduled and all of that. So yeah, see, that's amazing. You can do so much pre-scheduling for your business. So uh, yeah, the more of that, that you can do the better for sure. Yeah. you're, You're different. You're actually better set up than me in that sense, I think, which is nice. Yeah. Less like in person, like lots of things can just happen themselves. When I had jaw surgery actually in, uh, two or a year ago, I was able to take three weeks off and I was on like heavy drugs. So I was like, I was like, nobody wants me near their social media. So that went smoothly. So I was like, at least I know I can do three weeks and then we can go from there. That's so good. So you've had a trial of it basically already. Yeah. Well, there was just no baby though. I, my mom was taking <laughs> care of me while I was doing nothing. <laughs> that is true. It's a little bit different, but at least you know that you've done it before that you can take some time off that your clients were understanding. So. Yeah. I think we, there's so much of it is the buildup in our heads, right? We're just so worried. There's so much anxiety around it, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're going to have this beautiful little, it's a baby boy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, You're going to have this beautiful little baby boy. Who's going to just change your world for the better in so many ways. And yeah, it's going to be really hard at the beginning, but that time goes by also so quickly. Like my daughter, Avery, I feel like I was literally just telling Erica that I was pregnant and here I am. And she's two and a half and like very self-sufficient already. So It just, it happens quickly and you have to find a way to enjoy the ride a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And not work, I guess so much too. And have that, like you said, someone else to take care of enough of it. Well, you have the like first few weeks or few months. Yeah, you got it. And really lean on your partner. I think, I mean, my husband was like split duties, 50, 50. So I think having a partner that is really receptive to being a parent and wants to be part of it and enjoy all the various things. Like Mike was changing diapers. Mike was feeding bottles. He was doing all the thing. He was getting up in the middle of the night. We did a lot of split shifts. I think this is what a lot of parents do too. My girlfriend, Madison, and I talk about this all the time, but like, we'll do the early shift and go to bed and then he'll stay up with the kids and then go to sleep at like midnight. And then you take over and do like the later shift. And so both you get at least like a chunk of sleep. So you just have to find what works for you. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's why I said to him, I was like, if you're on paternity leave and you don't have anything else to do, I was like, let me tell you, you will be busy. I was like, <laughs> I have things to busy. do. <laughs> 100%. Oh God. No, it'll be so- good. You stay tuned for I'll be like, it'll be like a week before. And I'll be like, help me. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> you got it. Do, where are you delivering? 
the foothills. Nice. So in the hospital, full meds, everything. Heck yes. (laughs) I don't know how women do it without, I like bow down to women that do it without medication. You are incredible, but give me all the drugs. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it'll be in the hospital. So we'll be in good hands. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. And back to the business side of it. Um, (laughs) what are some of the projects that you've worked on that you really enjoyed over the years? I feel like it's always interesting, especially as someone who runs an agency or people who don't quite understand what (laughs) agencies do or PR people do. Um, some of the projects that you've really liked with some of your clients over the years. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's so much fun about your own business is you get to choose the type of clients you work with and the niches that you work within. So we've had very few clients that I haven't enjoyed. And the ones we haven't enjoyed, obviously we didn't renew and aren't working with them anymore, but almost all of our clients have been amazing. The stuff I love. I mean, I, I started wild to really work on like the tourism outdoor adventure kind of space. Cause that's just my passion and love. I love to travel. I love to be outside. So getting to work on cool clients like Revelstoke, for example, like we booked, uh, booked a bunch of fams for them, familiarization trips. So we are having people like mountain biking and then off on a helicopter and then doing these just wicked hikes up to mountain lakes and all these big, huge trees. And so getting to like really do fun plan trip planning for various media. Like we had a woman from Forbes that came. So getting like really cool media to do these really cool experiences is really fun. But we also have some clients like, for example, South Center Mall and Kingsway Mall that you wouldn't necessarily think a mall is going to be super fun from a PR perspective. But these clients are so community driven that we get to do the most incredible things. Like a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but they had this huge event called Chroma. They bought. Oh yeah. I tell people about that all the time. Actually, when people want to do like pop-up things, I'm like, this one was the best one. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. The ladies of park designed the concept and it was like the most beautiful art installation with all these like super bright, vibrant colors, like just such a cool thing. And we got to do like the PR side of it, bring all the media and influencers in. So getting to that kind of stuff and South Center does that stuff all the time. So I think it's less about the client and more about um, who, what their activities are and their community engagement and that sort of thing. So yeah, we've had we've been able to do some really cool trips and various things over the years. And so what has that looked like for the past like two years then? How are you able to like pivot as a business when obviously a lot of what you do, like you just said, is like events and trips and things that just got canceled <laughs> for the past two years. So how has that looked from like a business perspective and how you still helped your clients with PR, obviously from a different perspective. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, those things just went away. So, I mean, we haven't been doing events for a couple of years or any sort of marketing brand activations for a couple of years. Um, everything moved online. So where we used to be going all the time with clients into studio to do media segments, we haven't been in a studio in years, which is crazy that now that I think about it, <laughs> So yeah, I think that was the biggest change is that suddenly overnight events, activations, all that stuff was done. We weren't in studio anymore, but at the end of the day, a huge, like most of our job is on the computer. So most of our job is pitching media via email. It's working with influencers over DM and email. So a lot of that didn't change necessarily. I think it's just more of that in-person stuff that was pulled away. And we just, we didn't really pivot because I feel like pivoting is changing that. And we just basically eliminated it. Like we just didn't do it for a while. We never did virtual events. I know a lot of people moved to virtual events, um, but I think people were just running out of energy to be online all the time. Yeah. (laughs) We just recommend that to clients and just didn't pursue that. But that said, I mean, it's been really fun. We've had a couple events in the last month. Um, I guess not a couple, one event. Maybe I'm just making shit up right now. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say that either. It's all good. (laughs) Um, But we had an event a couple of weeks ago opening up the district. And it was actually, as I said before, I'm not a huge like extroverted person, but it was really fun actually to to see everyone in person again and to be back out and uh, living a semi-normal lifestyle once again. So, but yeah, I mean, the biggest pivot was just stopping some of those things and we're starting to pick them back up again. So it's actually fun. We're like, we have a renewed interest in doing it again because we haven't done it for a while and we were kind of burnt out with it before. So it's fun to get to, you know, reintroduce it into our lives again. Totally. I feel like that is also from like a people coming to events too. I feel like there was just like so many events happening 
before COVID. And then, like you said, people are now excited. Like you're excited to see people. You're excited to go to events again and, and do it also. I'm sure you get much more enthusiasm for these events now than you were getting like by the end of before oh COVID. My <laughs> that is such a good point. Literally for this last event, we we're like, we haven't seen this kind of like not just turnout because I I guess we'd often get a lot of people coming, but like the level of coverage that people were posting about the event is unheard of. Like we've never seen that. Right. People were posting reels and in-feed posts and all this stuff that normally has a huge dollar tag attached to it. So yeah, I think people are just excited. They're like, let's produce all the content now that we're out and about again. And I'm like, we will benefit from that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I'm super excited. But I guess that like changes that because reels came out like during the pandemic. So that's just an interesting, like that you say that the because reels I find are so much easier to make than like, just from like a content creator perspective than having to have like a nice photo or like something to be able to post later. Really? I feel like reels you can make in like, while you're at the event and even post, like sometimes I do it there so that I'm just like, it's done and it's posted. And I feel like it's, it feels and I mean, I'm maybe not the best person to ask because I don't make like professional reels. Like I'm much more like the quick one, but I feel like it's like just, you take a lot of stories and you put them all into one reel and then it's much more like beneficial. So it's interesting that people did cover it like that, because I feel like it's great for you guys, especially and the clients that it it's easier to make those like while you're out and about, as opposed yeah. to having to wait to go home to like edit your photos and do all the, like that kind of tedious stuff. That's actually a really interesting perspective because I feel like most of what we've heard is that reels and maybe I'm just talking to the wrong people because I'm talking to people like my mom, who's like very <laughs> anti all of that kind of stuff. As much as she's like a quote unquote influencer, she does not enjoy that side of things. But yeah, the perspective I feel like I've normally gotten is reels are so much more labor intensive and hard to do. And so it's I actually really like that. That's a very different perspective. And it's interesting too, because it's more sort of authentic, original content, which is what we're looking for too, because it's just in the now as it's happening, which is what Instagram was intended to be when it started all those years ago. So exactly. I, I mean, don't quote me if someone asked me where you heard that from. <laughs> I don't need people to send me hate mail. Listen, but they're like, this they PR company real. told me we can make reels for free. So don't <laughs> say it was from me. I'm going to go to everyone now. <laughs> Listen, I heard reels are so easy, so you shouldn't charge us anything for them. <laughs> but I do, I do find them good for like events like that. Or like, I just went to like a restaurant opening on Friday, like things like that, that you can do kind of like a, just check this out kind of thing. I feel like reels are much more easy and more people see them. If you're doing like transitions and like really fancy things or like having to memorize like a, when you have to like do the audio yeah, like lip syncing thing, like those things are much more like, like they take way more time. But I think from like an event perspective, reels are great for yeah. everybody. I totally agree with you. Yeah, that's I love that. Love it. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry to all the future content creators <laughs> that people now expect reels from you. <laughs> um, and let's talk a little bit about influencer marketing then, because I know, like you said, it's kind of a newish industry and I feel like it's evolving. And we had a great conversation. We were at Mount Angadine together, obviously, as like a PR influencer thing. I think that was great. And we talked about just what it looks like now and who we are looking at or inspired by. And so how does influencer marketing look for you from an agency perspective, just in the general sense, and then what's kind of working and what do you think needs to be continued to evolve? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think from the agency perspective, there's still a huge education piece. So there are some clients that are very savvy, understand the influencer marketing landscape, see the value in it. And that's, really wonderful from our side because it just makes it easy but we still do have a lot of clients that come to us and don't really understand it or don't like it because of what they've seen in their personal lives around influencer marketing so there's definitely an education piece when we talk about like what's not working or what's working and evolving I think and I have been very vocal about this and I'm probably building my own little reputation around it but I <laughs> I think the the fraudulent world of influencer marketing has really tainted the perspective on it. And that's why from an agency perspective, there's so much education because it, I mean, it is rampant with people purchasing followers, purchasing engagement. And the reality of that is it's really hard to suss that out sometimes. I mean, we do our due diligence as much as we can to look through and see if people have from what we can tell have purchased their following or purchased their engagement, but it can be tricky to 
to tell sometimes. So yeah, I think from an agency perspective, it's always going to be education and staying on top of trends and seeing what's working and what's not working and trying to bring that into your campaigns. I mean, but there's, there's so much great stuff about influencer marketing that I think gets lost by, again, the people that are, you know, giving it a bad name for the rest of you guys, because there are wonderful people that have built a really strong, authentic, genuine following. And when you work with them, it has serious value. So a perfect example is last year, we did a campaign with Sprout. Sprout's a plant-based milk. And we did a bunch of shipments out to various influencers, but we got it in the hands of the Bird's Papaya and Fresh. Is it Fresh Nutrition? I never know how to pronounce her. Everyone knows her. But... I have no idea. I'm like, you just read it and whatever it says in your head. I don't know how to say it out loud. <laughs> so I'm going to say Fresh and I might okay. be butchering it. But um, but those are like two of Canada's like big influencers. Fresh Nutrition is Jillian uh, Harris's cousin. Birds Papaya obviously has her own huge following out in Eastern Canada and, you know, obviously across Canada. But we got it in the hands of them and where you might think that's just really great on like the consumer side, because consumers are going to see, oh, these people like this product. It was actually super beneficial for us on the industry side, because what ended up happening is people in the industry, uh, like their grocery distributor team, ended up seeing that content and it helped them in their negotiations when they were talking to various distributors. So PR has a lot of like these tentacles that go out that you don't necessarily think of. Like who would have thought that, you know, someone on the grocery distribution side would see that Bird's Papaya is posting about Sprout and suddenly that's helping them. So that's where influencer marketing has all these added benefits that people don't necessarily see in the day to the day to day. And I also love, love, love um, influencers with blogs when we work in the tourism side of things in particular. It's not necessarily as valuable on like the lifestyle side, but tourism specifically, I will almost exclusively work with people that have blogs on top of their other social channels, because there's so much benefit for SEO and longevity for that content. Like people will be searching terms that, and those blogs will pop up for years and years and years, which is not the same with like an, an Instagram post. That's really just going to be there for a short term. Yes. It'll be on the feed, but how many people are going and scrolling through people's yeah, feeds? No nobody. One, right? <laughs> so that's not people, how people are spending their time. So yeah, there's so many great benefits to it, but I mean, there is stuff that has to change. There's got to be a way to figure out how to get rid of the fake influencers. And um, there's got to be probably some more work on how the pricing starts. Like it's an unregulated industry, right? So pricing is arbitrary. There aren't like an industry standard on how that looks. So I think there just needs to be some more structure around influencer marketing in the marketplace and how... Yeah. I, I don't know what that looks like though. It's so hard because how do you, how do you regulate this type of industry? Like it's almost impossible. Totally. When I feel like there's separate conversations happening and we had the conversation, which was good from like both sides of it, but I feel like influencers talk to each other and then like people in the industry talk to each other and there's not that like bridge to then come to an agreement between everybody. So there's just like yes. separate things happening with like annoyances or like what should happen. And then there's no way that it's that both people are happy then because we're not really having that conversation together. I feel because, because we like, and because I'm kind of on both sides because I do influencer marketing with my agency as well. But, but most of the time people like influencers want to be paid more agencies or clients want to pay less, but then the benefit from both sides, people are confused about what they should expect or what is expected or what's a successful campaign or what, like it is very, no one really knows anything still, which is actually kind of shocking because it has been around for now, like a few years where you think that there'd be some sort of regulation starting, but I feel like there's still not. No, that's such a good point. I think there definitely needs to be more collaboration between PR and influencers. I think that, yeah, we absolutely need to do more of that. And I try to have those conversations. Like that's why when we were up at Mount and I was like, let's talk about this. Cause I'm so curious to get your guys's perspective on it too, because like you say, we kind of work in silos and if there's a little bit more collaboration between the two, then maybe we can all figure a way to do this better. But it's interesting too. I mean, I had a, a coffee with another gal a few weeks ago. That's sort of one of like the OG influencers of Calgary. And we had such a great conversation, a lot of talk around mental health and influencer marketing, which is another thing that, I mean, that's a whole beast in and of itself. But she was saying, cause she's again, one of the originals. So she's able to charge like a lot more for her stuff. 
but as algorithms have changed, her content doesn't perform the same way. And I, I flat out asked her, I'm like, so how do you justify the price tag that you're giving brands when it's not delivering the ROI? And she's like, honestly, I can't really do it anymore. Like I can't justify it anymore, but they continue to still charge that price tag. And I understand it. Like I understand charging, you're charging for your time. You're charging for, I mean, a lot goes into making these posts. You have to have photography skills, editing skills. You have to write a really cool, catchy caption. Like I can't do that shit. I'm terrible. (laughs) That is not my world. I could never be an influencer. I just, there's so much time and effort that goes into it and I respect it the hell out of it. But yeah, I just think it's unfortunately so tainted by the people that that purchase everything and it just, it kills the industry, but it yeah, totally I mean, does. I, it does, but I think there's still so much value and I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just going to continue to evolve. Totally. And I think it, it's good for people that want to still become a content creator and influencer. I think there's so much space, especially as like new platforms come, but like you said, like blogs are still big in specific industries and depending on what you want to do. I think when people think to become like an influencer, become a content creator, you have to do something very specific on like specifically on Instagram where you have to like dance on TikTok. You have to like be very, but like you, you can build your audience and your niche, like wherever you want, because people need that information, especially with Google. And so I think that there's lots of opportunity for people to still become an influencer or content creator if they want to. I totally agree with that. I mean, and I think there's a huge piece of stuff missing right now. Like the authenticity, the original content, that's all kind of been diluted lately because everyone's doing the like pointing to various, like nothing (laughs) in the words. And it it all feels very repetitive now and redundant and generic. And I think Mm -hmm. there needs to almost be sort of an uproar in the industry to get back to sort of that authentic and genuine content and original content. And God, I really hope we move away from like the like quarter second images that happen over the course of a minute. So you're looking yes. like a hundred images. I'm like, that is, who is this helping? Who loves this stuff? I mean, maybe I feel old now, maybe <laughs> like slowly approaching 40. Maybe that's why it just doesn't resonate with me, but I can't stand that stuff. And I hope that stuff goes away. Totally. And it's not really like sh- sharing a story of any sort or like giving you a look into like the kind of like the person or like what they're even doing or I feel like yeah. it is, it's kind of just like a, and maybe it is along the same lines as, as the people who buy their followers or buy their engagement and like no offense to people that make those videos, but I feel like it is kind of the easy way out where you're just like, here's a collection of videos that I put together in a video because Instagram tells me to make a video or TikTok or whatever. And so I feel like then they're like, yeah, check, I did it where I feel okay. like it does take more time to make more, like you said, authentic content. And so I think that's also dividing the people continually between who actually wants to share what they do or share with their people and become that like more influential side of things as opposed to just do whatever the algorithm is telling you to do to just have the following or have that like viral video or whatever it is oh I love that so much I 100% agree 100% agree and I also it's interesting I I've almost I've been chatting with my team lately I almost feel like we have to put people in two buckets where there's like as you're saying, the people that are like legitimately influential. So when you look at their content, like true influencers, people, when you read through their comments, it's not just like, Ooh, love this. Or like a brand thing where people are like commenting where you're, you're clearly in an engagement pod because I know you don't give a shit about the baby Brezza when you don't even have kids and you're like, this is the greatest (laughs) product. Like that's just, it's so phony, but I I'm starting to see people in two different buckets, like the legitimate influential people that I feel will drive sales, reputation, all the various things that we're interested in. And then the other group I almost see as like content creators, where do I like their content and is their content valuable for my client? Even if I don't think that their page is necessarily influential, could working with them get content that's really in line with our client. So we're almost starting to look at people in two different buckets in this industry. And I think that's going to continue to shift and evolve, like as things, you know, grow and change in this industry as they do every single day. Totally. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. And it kind of, you kind of touched upon it about what you look for in influencers when you go for a campaign. Do you want to just touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. So this is where we'll get into the nitty gritty of like, are they legitimate? So (laughs) um, I read a book recently. There's a local Calgary influencer 
I won't name her. I won't get into the book, but she talks about how PR companies will say that they have this software to tell if people are fake, but it's all like a farce. No, we do. We do actually (laughs) have software that we can go and look at. Do we take it with a grain of salt? Absolutely. Because I think everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. But if I can go on there and I can see that there's like a 40,000 person spike and then a 15,000 person spike and then nothing else, you've clearly purchased your followers. So (laughs) Uh, so that's like, for sure. Are they legitimate? So we'll look at the software. We'll do like a massive audit on their page. Um, but then we look at like, again, the content that they produced, is it engaging? Is it interesting? Or is it just like the viral crap that we're seeing out there that doesn't actually do much for our clients? Um, and again, I go back into like what level of engagement, like, is it actually people that really love the content and are really resonating with it? And the comments reflect that, or again, is it just like those vanity sort of posts that aren't really meaningful. We also do a lot of look at values alignment. Like does the influencers values and their content reflect our clients values and content? So for example, if you're working on like a family campaign, obviously you're not going to want to work with an influencer who's posting lingerie pics all the time. It just doesn't align. And that's not to say posting lingerie pics is wrong. I'm not saying that it's just, they'd be a fit for a lingerie company or a clothing company or lifestyle, but they're not going to be a fit for like this, you know, more conservative mom and pop uh, family-based business. And then obviously like previous work together. So if we've worked with them before, and we do work with a lot of the same influencers on various things, cause there's people that we just love. So we'll bring them back over and over again. And part of it is like, are they easy to work with or are they difficult to work with? Do they do a really good job? Do they go above and beyond? And I'm not saying that you have to like kill your contract and just go crazy every single time. But it is nice when people do an extra post or an extra story or various things that help the client because they legitimately love the experience or service or product or whatever it may be. So yeah, we're we're looking at all of those things. It's not just a, oh, they have 30,000 followers, cool, they're a fit. Like we actually do a lot more digging into, into who we work with. Right. Which I think is great. And I do get a lot of questions and because I already know PR people and I'm already like on the list, but people want to know how you get the attention of a PR company? Like, is it just you do you and like work on your platforms and like wait until PR companies come or do people like actually pitch you or like send you emails to be like, all the time I'm here. Oh yeah. All the time. So it's both. I definitely think it's both. Like you got to start building up your own thing on your own and really just be excited about the content you're producing and not I think the more, again, we go back to like this authentic, genuine person, like produce stuff that you feel is reflective of you and that's interesting for you but absolutely too we get I mean emails every week from people being like hey I saw you guys are doing this would love to be considered for your next campaign and then we'll just go through the process with them we'll ask them for their media kit we'll do a dive into their various things um and we won't probably tell them to be totally honest if we don't think (laughs) they're a fit for us because we don't like I don't want to get into it with people but I mean, we've had people that have come to us and they're like, we're this incredible influencer. And I'm like, literally purchased 200,000 followers. (laughs) Wonderful. But yeah, just reach out to PR agencies. They love, I mean, I probably can't speak for all of them, but they love it. I mean, you get, we want to have people on our radar and we can't keep like on top of absolutely everybody. So to have people reach out to us and say, this is what we're interested in. This is the type of stuff we like to do. Here's some previous campaigns we've done. Like by all means, email us. Yeah. It makes your job a little bit easier. At least you have somewhere to start then if you are looking totally. for new people. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and where do you see influencer marketing going in the next few years? Like, obviously it's probably going to be way different than anything we say anyway, but, but where, <laughs> where do you see it going and like, where do you want it to go? Yeah. I mean, it's so unpredictable, right? Cause it's, I mean, we, we don't know where it's going right now today, tomorrow, but I don't know. I have a few opinions on it. I think one of them being that mental health and influencer marketing is going to have to have some sort of come to Jesus moment. Like, I mean, we talked about, there was this one woman, I think we talked about this up at Engadine, but there's this woman in the U S I didn't follow her and I don't actually know her name, but she had like almost half a million followers. She's built this huge brand around her Instagram following. And she was just like, it's killing my mental health. And was like, I got to delete it. And she literally full blown deleted like half a million followers on her account. And was just like, I'm done. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more and more of that with people just being a little bit fed up and um, just wanting to disconnect from it altogether, or there's going to need to be some a shift in how people consume social media so that it isn't so trying on your mental health. Cause I mean, 
I know for me personally, it definitely is. And then I think people are being sick of, are sick of being sold to all the time. I think that's one of the problems with influencer culture is there's certain influencers that just only post sponsored content now. Like no one wants to watch that. It's like you're watching TV and you're only watching the advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so no one wants to do that. So I think that's going to have to start to shift away. And I think those people are honestly going to be left behind. You have to pepper your sponsored content with legitimate, genuine, authentic, real content. Otherwise people will lose interest. So I think those sorts of people will go away, but I think we're going to see a lot more AI. Like there's a lot of talk on the metaverse and there's people investing like hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars into like real estate and land purchasing within the metaverse, whatever the F that is. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> I don't understand it at all, but I'm paying attention to it. And I'm going to start researching it and getting into it a lot more because I do think that that's where a lot of things are going to start moving and I think that includes all sorts of like e-commerce and everything. Like things are going to shift into this sort of virtual reality world, which to me is like quite devastating that that's where our world is going, but it's the reality. So we have to pay attention to what is happening. And then obviously there's going to be like new social networks um, popping up. And what does that mean? I think video is still going to reign king. Like everybody loves video. So, you know, putting more investment for content creators and that sort of thing into video I think more money behind the content, like we're seeing that now, like you almost, because of the way the algorithms work, I think we have to start building budget into our influencer content where we're boosting and sponsoring those posts so that it gets seen by the correct audiences. Although that tends to take away the value a little bit too, because then it's sponsored content, right? So there's a bit of a fine line you have to walk there. And then a lot more like of that social commerce world, like we're a lot more just easy buying right from the content. And I think that's going to like continue to grow and evolve. So yeah, a, a big push on the social commerce side of things, but I mean, who knows, right? And I think, <laughs> I think the other thing is performance-based deals. Like we want to see data drive content and see what's actually working and resonating. So I think my hope is that a lot more PR companies, marketing agencies, et cetera, will need to see the data to justify the cost of influencers. And I mean, we run into this all the time in the world of PR. ROI and PR is very, very difficult to show, but influencers have a lot of metrics and data that they can share. And I think companies, including PR companies, like we need to get savvier about how to utilize influencers better to show the ROI and to get that data that tells us that it's working. So I think a little bit more um, parameters around that we're going to start to see as well, but I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just going to evolve and change even more. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it's more just how people are using social media and using the metaverse and all of that. And like just how they're consuming it will change then how influencer marketing is dictated for to get the message to people or to sell things or whatever it is that you're trying to do with them. Totally. Yeah. It's going to, how we deliver the messaging and content, I think is going to shift drastically in the next few years. It's just who knows exactly what it looks like just yet. I'm very curious, but yeah, we'll, we'll all find out together okay. in real time. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and same for PR in general. What does the landscape look like for businesses and clients and then for you specifically? Yeah, I think a lot of it too is just that continued involvement. I mean, I probably speak for a lot of PR people where we're very sick of hearing people say PR is dying, media is dying. Media is changing. It's not dying. So as much as we're hearing about layoffs and that sort of thing, at the end of the day, people still go to the news and that sort of thing to get their more formal news and information. Like, look, at I mean, I hate to bring this up, but look at the war in Ukraine right now. I would way rather get my information on the war in Ukraine from like a New York Times than I would from Joe Blow Influencer, because there is a level of integrity and respect and fact checking and that sort of thing that has to happen with traditional media. So from that perspective, like I don't think traditional media will ever die completely. I think it's going to change and evolve, but we need to have that legitimacy in our news content. I think it's a requirement. So what that looks like, who knows? But yeah, in terms of like where we're going with PR and that sort of thing. I mean, I ask this to myself literally every day. <laughs> My girlfriend Dakota and I, we had a dinner on Friday night. We were talking about this too, where we feel like the influencer world can be very vacuous at times. And when I consider myself to be like a morally and ethically um, 
like to stay on a moral and ethical ground. And I often find that um, some of that gets a little bit lost when I do the influencer world. And I don't mean that to be super negative, but I think again, because it's so wrought with fraud that it, it sometimes doesn't sit very well with me. So I think from my perspective, could I one, well, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this that loud, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I don't know that I want to do PR forever. I just don't know if it's my, my forever business. I don't know that right now. I think what I've always kind of talked to my family about is PR allows us sort of this window into other industries and other businesses. And so I'm always kind of looking at other businesses and seeing what intrigues me and interests me. And I could see myself one day, maybe potentially doing a different kind of business. Again, I don't really see myself working for someone else, but I don't know. I don't know how long I can live in a world where my job is. I mean, as much as PR is more about like this, the reputation management side of things, it is also about selling. And when your job is just to sell, sell, sell all day long, that can be a little tiring on your, you know, your value system. So I struggle with that. I really do on a day-to-day basis. I really struggle with that. So I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, we're having fun right now. We love the clients we work with right now. My team is amazing. At the end of the day, like I, I would like to make more money because money equals freedom. And for me, Mm -hmm. freedom equals travel. And I just want to go see more of the world and bring my daughters (laughs) along for the ride. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a journey. And um, I think every year we just sort of have to see, see what it looks like and where it's going. And if it continues to feel in alignment enough, then we'll, we'll go down this path. And if it one day it feels like it just doesn't fit anymore, then we'll make a change at that point. But right now we're, we're loving what we do. Yeah. Well, now you're back in the the real world. So that always yeah. helps too, to make things more exciting. hundred <laughs> percent. And I was like the what I will say is like, when you have the babies, those early years that the babies are very, like you almost are just so in the baby space that to get out of it is, I feel sort of like my brain opening back up again a little bit more, <laughs> not only doing diaper changes and pumping and all that fun stuff. So I think that part's exciting too. Like I love my kids and I love where we're going with our kids, but I'm, I'm kind of pumped to be out of the baby stage. To yeah. Be you have more space in your brain now. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. No, that's amazing. And I appreciate all of your wisdom and where can people find and connect with you or wild? I don't know if you personally have your Instagram running or not. So where you <laughs> so want people I, to find I, you? I took a break from my personal stuff these days, so I don't even have a personal Instagram, but our wild it's at wild.pr for our business Instagram. And then on LinkedIn and Facebook, just look up wild public relations and we should pop up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and I'll definitely have to have you on again because once I have a baby and then influencer marketing will be different in six months. So <laughs> we'll have to have another conversation. We'll do a follow-up. We'll follow up call to what life looks like six months from now. Cause who knows? Given this exactly. <laughs> who knows? Thank you so much. This is so fun. <laughs>